right, guys, so today we're going to be in Lesson 11. We're going to be looking at Ephesians 4, 24 through 32. And so we're going to wrap up uh, Ephesians 4 today. Then that's going to get us into uh, chapter 5, working our way into chapter 6, and we'll be finishing up Ephesians. Now what you're going to notice, and especially today, that Paul has kind of moved from giving you a theological base or an understanding of truth to now he's going to start telling you how you need to live, okay? And what you need to do as a believer in Jesus Christ. So the things we're going to talk about today are really not options, okay? But what we're going to see is, is that they come out of the truths that we have already studied. And so we're going to make reference to that first. So You'll notice last week we went to verse 24. This week we're going to start at verse 24 again because we kind of have to remind ourselves of a couple of points here uh, that he's trying to tell you. And uh, because, you know, as we look at the things that he's going to tell us to do, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to find that some of these things, yeah, it sounds easy to, to, to try to do them, but actually do them is is another thing and so he's going to tell you you can do it because you have been saved you are a new, you have you put off the old man put on the new man you know what i'm saying you are a new person so you can do these things so we're going to spend some time talking about these today so let's first of all, first of all look at verse 24 well actually how about if i read verse 24 through 32 for you okay Verse 24 says, And you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer. But rather let him who labor, labor but, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that you may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you have you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. All right, so let's first of all, we're gonna I'm gonna rename the section for verse 24 compared to last lesson the last lesson, I'm, I'm going to say it's a call to act, okay? So let's take a look here. So the first thing I want you to see is that Paul tells us to put on the new man or the new life, all right? So I, I find it interesting. So I, I have been saved since 1985, and when I got saved, I got saved in a little bitty independent Baptist church over in West Columbia, South Carolina, in fact, that church doesn't exist anymore, okay? I, the building does. I've been by the building. Another church is in that building now. 
But that little church, uh, that was a really foundational church for my life as a new believer. I really enjoyed being a part of that church family. But I remember very clearly, you know, we, we emphasized salvation, forgiveness. And then because it was Independent Baptist Church, a fundamentalist church, we were told everything not to do. Don't do this, don't do that, don't go here, don't do this, dress this way, have your hair like this, you know, and all these different things. No, don't listen to this, okay? And we're not going to have canned music in the church, you know what I'm saying? And so this, that, or another. Canned music, what's canned music? Well, playing a, a CD or a tape or something and singing to that, okay? Now, with all of that emphasis on doing stuff, and doing different things, they didn't tell you why. They didn't tell you how, because it became a rather defeating thing. I remember one of the very clear things for me as a young believer is I'm trying to do all the right things. Some of them were biblical, some were not. What do you mean, not? Well, a lot of times in fundamentalism, sometimes it's the preference of the pastor that's communicated as far as what you can and cannot do there's no bible passage that says don't do that okay I'll give you an example years ago people were told around here not to go to the branding iron that's found in the book of george third chapter second verse right okay it's not there all right it's not there at all so what was missing? What was missing from everybody's life? Because after a while, legalism burns you out. You get burned out on trying to do, do, do with no basis for the doing. And so you see people leave. Okay? And so Paul actually has reversed. He's getting ready to tell us all these things that we need to do. And a lot of them have to do with attitudes, which let me just kind of say that right off the bat. A lot of them have to do with attitudes more so than actions, okay? Attitudes, all right? But he's going to tell you why. And that is you've been saved, put off the old man, put off the old way of living your life. We talked about that last week. He's telling you now, put on the new man, put on the new life. Live the person you are now supposed to be in Jesus. That's what he's saying here. And in fact, he goes on and says, this new life was created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. You're supposed to reflect who saved you. You're supposed to reflect a life of Christ. Be the person you're supposed to be. And so what is he going to do? He's going to tell us now, Put on, put off the old, put on the new. And I think it's interesting that we saw that. We saw that in last week, put off the old, put on the new. And he's going to do that when he gives these instructions here. He's going to talk about putting off the old. And how do you replace an old behavior? You put on a new behavior, okay? How do you get rid of an old habit? Create a new habit, okay? So here's what he's going to do. First of all, we're going to see in verse 25, he starts out with one word, which is the emphasis here, therefore. Paul uses the word therefore to express how his readers are to put on the new man. So he's telling you, put on the new man. Now, if you just heard that, put on the new man, like what does that mean? What are you talking about? Put on the new man. 
especially if you're a new Christian, what does that mean, okay? And he's writing new Christians, okay? What does that mean? Well, he's going to say, I'm going to express to you how you're supposed to do this. So here's the first one. Paul calls his readers to put away lying or falsehoods in any form. Put away lying. In any form. Because you know how it is? There is culturally acceptable ways of lying, right? Yeah? Culturally acceptable ways of lying. We call them white lies. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And I remember, now things have changed, so we're all old enough here to remember when you had one phone in the house with a super long cord that could go all the way out to some room where there's an easy chair where you could sit on it and talk, okay? We didn't have cell phones back in those days, and when the phone rang, I was taught, I think everybody was taught, answer the phone. And, I was, and you answered the phone. Now, we're reversed today. If the phone rings, if you don't know who the number is, you don't answer the phone because it's probably a telemarketer or some political ad or some scam. Just if it's worthy of being, they'll leave a message. Well, back then, you answered the phone. And, and out of people's mouth, if it's so-and-so, tell them I'm not here. And that was acceptable, right? Okay. That was acceptable, but it's not acceptable. Paul's saying, put away all lying. Stop lying. Put away all falsehoods in any form, okay? Put away all falsehoods in any form. Rather, so here's the reverse. So you are to what? Speak the truth. Believers are to speak the truth with their neighbors. You're to be a truthful person. You're supposed to do that. Now, why would we do that? Well, he continues on in that verse. The phrase, members of one another, reflects a mutual responsibility towards each other. We have a mutual responsibility towards each other, so speak the truth with each other. Do you, know, do you understand what I'm saying? Speak the truth. So put off the old, stop lying, and what now? Put on the new. Speak the truth. Why? Because you're members of one household. What? You're all connected to each other. There's a mutual responsibility. Now, I find it interesting that we live in a culture today where lying's okay. Would everybody agree with that? But is it really okay? Is, is it really okay? Now, here's what I mean. So, if you're being lied to, is it okay then? No, nobody wants to be lied to. You know what I'm saying? So I hear people all the time, well, you know, he's telling a falsehood. That's okay. Yeah, it's okay because it doesn't necessarily affect you. But when it affects you, then it's not okay anymore. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to be lied to. So lying is what? Always wrong, Okay. Always wrong. So we are, what, speak the truth. Speak the truth to one another. Okay, here's the next one. Control your anger. How? Well, look here at verse 26. Verse 26 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. 
All right, so what are we talking about here? First, Paul is not telling believers to never be angry. All right, so first thing, because a lot of people will use this verse, verse 26, to say, well, you shouldn't be angry. You shouldn't be angry, because he's telling you, be angry and sin not, because anger is sin. Now, that's a misinterpretation, okay? When you read verse 26, look at your Bibles, be angry and sin not. Is he telling you not to be angry? He's telling you what, though? Yeah, don't allow your anger to drive you into sin. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So rather, he's communicating that believers should not let their anger take control of them. Don't let your anger take control of you. Now, I had a friend. Uh, he actually is still alive. I got an email from him the other day. Uh, he wrote a, he co-wrote a book on anger, a Christian book on anger. And, and what he said anger is, is anger is, is when a value system or something that you hold to has been transgressed and you react. When it's something that you hold to, a truth or, or, or some, something that you hold to and that has been offended or that has been transgressed or somebody has attacked that or whatever your natural result is what to be angered because your value is there to be angry so a lot of times we'll look at, at the news and stuff and we'll get angry at what we're seeing there because what we're watching goes against what we hold to right now the question is what do you do with that anger what do you do with the anger? And, and this is the point. Don't let, your, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let your anger control you. Do you understand? Is what he's trying to say here. Don't let the anger control you. So he's communicating that believers should not let their anger control them. Uncontrolled anger leads to sin. That's the point here. It's not that you shouldn't be angry. In fact, I think sometimes we need to be angry about things, right? The reality, though, is, is if you're not controlling your anger, directing it in ways that are right, it's going to lead to sin in your life, okay? It's going to lead to sin. Now, <clears throat> he's telling believers to deal with their anger before the day ends, Deal with your anger before the day ends. Now, all right. He's giving you a statement. It comes out of Deuteronomy about settling disputes. M Moses said to settle disputes before the day ends. He's referring back to that passage in Deuteronomy. Because you're like saying, oh, I haven't settled this. I'm going to bed. How can I got to settle? No, no, don't be legalistic about it. The fact is, don't go forever not dealing with your anger. That's the point, okay? That's the point, okay? He's trying to shorten the time frame in which you deal with it, okay? Anybody have a question about that or a comment or anger you want to express? Okay, so, all right, what, Gene? No, that's your reaction. Yeah, we're not talking about the situation. It's your reaction to whatever and whether or not it controls you. Okay, so 
all right, so stop for a moment. Let's talk. So the first one he's saying, stop lying, tell the truth. This one, you can be angry, but get control of it. Okay? Because that'll lead to something else. We're talking about internal issues here. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Internal issues. All right, let's all stop. I was, I was, you know, okay, my younger Christian years in a, in a fundamentalist Baptist church, you can see people dress up the right way, have the right haircut, carry the right Bible, but it didn't take long to figure out whether or not they controlled their anger. Did you understand what I'm saying? Or can you lie dressed up right? Do you, know, do you know what I'm saying? You can still lie dressed up right. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? He's talking about internal issues. Lying is an internal issue. It's not just an outward action. It's an internal heart. Out of the abundance of the what? Your heart, your mouth speaks. It's an internal issue. When you talk about anger, that's an attitude. That's an action on your part. And whether or not you allow that to control you. Okay? So... All right, go ahead. So, yeah, yeah. Go to God, or you can also sometimes God allows you to use others to talk to, talk it through. Sometimes internalizing anger is not necessarily a good thing, John. Sometimes you have to have somebody to talk with who will hear you. Because sometimes you have to vocalize. And sometimes vocalizing is a part of controlling it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Having, having learned. If you are just dealing with it on your own, yeah, you can go on months, but the danger is, is that the longer it takes for you to deal with it, the, the, the greater the possibility of bitterness taking hold in your life. Do you understand? So... Let's go another. Because James would say, confess your sins to one another. You know, the whole reality is, is that we deal with each other and help each other through the things that we're facing. Now, connected with this verse, remember I told you, he's connecting things. So the first verse he connected with was, stop lying, here's the thing, tell the truth. Here he is, be angry but don't sin, and it's connected with verse 27. Now, here's what verse 27 is. On its own, it can stand on its own, but it's connected to verse 26. Nor give place to the devil. Okay, so what's he talking about here? Well, believe, Paul tells believers not to give the devil a foothold in their lives. Not to give the devil a foothold in their lives. Okay, let's stop for a moment. Let me clarify some truth to you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, Satan cannot possess you. Okay? Does anybody know why Satan cannot possess you? Right, John. Who inhabits you? The Holy Spirit. Do you think the Holy Spirit's going to let some demon come into your life? No. However... Satan can have a foothold in your life. And connected with that is the whole anger issue. Now, what do you think he means by a foothold in your life? Someone 
Okay, yeah, I used to say all the time, I've said it here from the pulpit many years ago, Satan is the biggest button pusher in the world. Have you ever been on a job site or in a job situation and you got so-and-so and somebody will say, I know, let me push his buttons. Let me get him started. And what does that mean? They know, they've been around him, they know how to get him to react. You ever been around a situation like that? Yeah, they know, know what buttons to push, right? Satan knows what buttons to push. Now, I'll explain something. You don't deal with your anger. He gets a foothold in your life. Now, he doesn't need to possess you. But he can sure manipulate you. Do you know what I'm saying? He can sure manipulate you into reactions, and that allows for the foothold in your life. Okay? That allows for the foothold. In fact, let's, let's look here. The issue is not allowing. This is tied to the issue of not allowing anger to control a person. Okay? So, here's two scriptures. 2 Corinthians 2.11. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, we are not ignorant of his devices. That's what Paul says in Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 2.11. Lest he take advantage of us. We're not ignorant of his devices. Meaning, Paul says, at this point in life, I, I know how he operates. He's an accuser of the brethren. He's a tempter. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's a button pusher. I know how he operates. If I don't get control of this, he's going to have a way to, to use it against me. Okay? Especially if your anger is uncontrolled. Here's another one. James says, chapter 4, verse 7, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will what? Flee from you. Okay? You just... Just resist him, resist his temptations, resist his accusation, his lies. Whatever he's doing to try to provoke you, just resist that and he will flee from you. So, let me, so any thoughts on this? Okay, I don't know that you necessarily need to say Satan flee from you, okay? The fact is, is if you're ignoring him, you don't, he'll flee from you because he understands, he doesn't have any hold on you. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I think sometimes our influence is what we see in Christian TV or, or whatever where we have to vocalize things necessarily. I don't think you need to. I think you just need to stand on truth. And if you, like Paul says, we're resisting him because we recognize his ways. You know? And, and we talked about this last week. I think, Bruce, remember you brought it up that I've mentioned before. Not every thought that you have comes from you. You need to recognize that. Not every thought comes from you. What were you going to say, Lori? Okay. 
It is difficult, yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Yes. What were you going to say, John? Yes. Yes, and especially if you have somebody on the outside who is pushing the buttons to get you to do what you want to do, not what you not what God wants you to do. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 And I think what you just said was really good, Bruce. I'm trying to, you were saying about, I just lost everything you just said. No, 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 no. It's something you said was very powerful, and that is, huh? <laughs> no, no, I, I yeah, you, you have the right to be angry, Okay. And that what we're called to is, I was going to say, my response is we have to give up that right. And forgiveness is part of giving up that right. But we don't want to give up that right. Okay? So, okay, let's stop for a moment. Forget, I mean, when we look at our society, it, it is in a mess right now. Because everybody's angry. Right? Everybody's angry. Doesn't matter what side. And if you were to talk with them... It's not like their anger just came out of nowhere. There are legitimate reasons for anger on all sides. The problem is we can't exist that way with everybody being angry. So at some point, we have to give up that right and what? Forgive each other. But that's not going to happen in a world that doesn't have Jesus, right? Do you understand? And so, but you and I as believers... Yeah, he's calling us to something different. And don't give place to the enemy. Okay? Don't give place to the enemy. Because we've been around people who have not given up that right. And you get with them and you say, oh, hey, how's it going? Oh, it's not going. Well, what's going on? Well, you know, so-and-so, he did this to me. Yeah, but that was 20 years ago. Yeah, but I saw him the other day and he looked happy. Well, I don't understand. Why is he happy and I'm still struggling with what he did 20 years ago? 
And, uh, you know, and just, just calm down. Listen to some music. I can't listen to music. I was listening to music the other day, and this song came on from the same time period as when that offense happened, and it just reminded me of all my feelings. I'm, have you ever met somebody like that? That's, yeah, the hate. Yeah, that's exactly right. Talk about there's a serious foothold there. I've met Christians like that. You know what I'm saying? And, oh, I forgive him. Well, really? Do you really? I mean, forgiveness is not a one-time event. It's a process. Do you understand? Especially when you're dealing with the hurt of something. So, yeah, we need to submit. So let's go on, because I'm running out of time here. Um, we talked about guarding against Satan. Here's one. Stop stealing. So here's what Paul says. Paul tells those of his readers who are thieves that they must stop stealing. So he's saying, stop stealing. Okay? Stop stealing. You know, I, I remember I saw there was a Bob Newhart show. Remember back when show, and, and, and he's being the counselor and he's telling her, stop it! Stop it, you know, because, you know, she's t person's coming to him for, just stop it, you know what I'm saying? He's basically saying, stop stealing. In fact, now let's replace the behavior. How do we replace it? Work. Rather, Paul calls those who steal to find work so that they may help others who are in need. Because a lot of times you talk to somebody who's stealing and, and they'll give you the excuse, well, I had to do that. I had to do that because it's the only way that I was going to make it or I was the, only, the only way I was going to acquire. I mean, yeah, okay, well, then work. And then you can help others who are struggling as well then, okay? Here's one. We have forgotten this verse in 2022 in the church. Watch your language. Look at verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. So Paul calls believers to not allow their speech to be marked by corrupted or unwholesome talk. Watch your, watch your language. Now, this, this one, I, I don't know, for some reason, I, I have a sensitivity here. And I'm, oh, you're just being legalistic, George. No, 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 because, all right, so I didn't come to Christ till I was 19 years old. And when I came to Christ as a 19 years old, I had a filthy mouth as a 19-year-old, okay? I mean, my language was bad. And, but when I came to Jesus... I realized something changed in my life, so my language changed. And uh, <clears throat> I, I, here I am now. Okay, that was 19. I'm, 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 I'm 56 now, so here I am 30-some years later, 36 years later. And it bothers me to be around. I've been around Christians. I was just listening to a podcast series where they're interviewing pastors and and words are coming out of their mouths that I'm like, are you kidding me? Why are we talking this way? There's no need to talk this way. There are other words that we can choose. But I guess it's hip. 
I guess it's cool. I guess it's cultural. But what he's talking about here is, is look, don't let, watch your language. So he, he's saying, look, don't let your speech be marked by corrupt words or unwholesome talk. All right? Rather, speech needs to be marked by what is good for edification. What we, how we need to speak to each other needs to be so that we build each other up. That's what that word edification means there. We need to be talking to each other in a way that builds each other up. Period. So, speaking for edification imparts grace to the hearers of their speech. You know what I'm saying? It imparts grace. So watch how you're talking. Well, I have the freedom in Jesus to say whatever I want. Really? That's not true. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? That, that's not true. You, you don't have the freedom to say whatever you want because whatever you want is going to affect, whatever you say is going to affect others around you. So think about how you're speaking. Do you understand? Well, that's just legalism, George. No. If life was just about me, then maybe that would be legalism. But life isn't just about me. It isn't just about you. It's about all of us having a mutual connection with each other. Do you understand what I'm saying? So speaking for edification imparts grace to the hearers. Now, he goes on and says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So you're not to grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you knew that that was possible, but you can grieve the Holy Spirit. How, how is that? How do you grieve the Holy Spirit? Yeah, because who lives in you? So when you go and do wrong things, who is with you? Well, I'm not worried about Satan. But the Spirit is with me, and if I'm doing wrong, is he okay with that? Oh, I took care of that. You know, hey, he's forgiven. I guess, yeah, we just have to look the other way here. No. It grieves him. It hurts him. In fact, it's interesting. If you go to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about them joining with a harlot, and when they do that, they join Christ with the harlot. Some of those believers were visiting prostitutes, and he's saying, stop doing that, because when you do that, you join Christ with your sin. Now, how's that possible? Who lives within us? You know, the Spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? So don't grieve him. Yeah, the Spirit's telling you not to do that, okay? Yeah, the Spirit's telling you not to do that. Now, here's the thing. He wants to remind you. You have been sealed by the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. So just so you know, it's not like he leaves. Oh, I'll leave. go ahead and leave George alone for a few hours. He's there with you all the time. Why? Because he is your seal. How do we know that? Well, go back to Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 13 to 14, in him, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, 
you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. You're sealed until you go where? Till you go to be with Jesus. Now when's that? When do you go be with Jesus? When you die or if he comes back for you, right? So he's with you always. So don't grieve him with your, with your behavior. So he's going to go on and he's going to give kind of wrap up this section by just giving a list of things that we got to stop doing. Again, let's stop doing these. Let's put on these. What do we need to stop doing? Well, Paul tells believers to put away bitterness. What's that connected to? Anger, uncontrolled anger, right? Bitterness, wrath. What is wrath? Anybody know what wrath is? What? Vengeance. Vengeance. Uh, outward, it's an outward emotional reaction and it's tied to what bruce said vengeance okay so wrath anger well i thought you said we can be anger yeah but put away the anger don't let it control your life it's, it's emphasized brawling put away brawling anybody know what brawling is huh yeah yeah okay fighting slander we know what that is, right? And malice. Put away those things. Those should not be a part of your lives. Rather, here's what I need to do. These actions, well, first of all, these actions and attitudes are not to be a part of believers' lives. Because some of those things are not just actions, they're attitudes. Okay? These are not to be a part of your life. What do we want to do? Rather, believers are to be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving as God is forgiving to us. Well, this is how we're supposed to be with each other. Kind, tender-hearted, forgiving. Why? Because he forgave us. Okay? Because he forgave us. All right. <clears throat> Next week, he's going to go on a little bit further and give us some more instructions about the new life. 